0: Here we go. Yeah. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404, missing link. And yeah, he's a great man, brother.
1: Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and visit us at Vox404.com. Enjoy the show.
0: So we prepare for this show, and my sort of doctrine is uh Let's get right into it, and let's keep everything uh, high-energy and enthusiastic and uh, have a thought-provoking question. Um, Today, like so many other days, the launching of the podcast has been marred with technical difficulties that make me want to go full-blown a uh, German adolescent that's playing Team Fortress 2 and smashing his keyboard to bits and then using it to mercilessly batter his computer monitor until there's no longer a discernible image on the screen.
1: <laughs> How's your morning going? A lot better than yours. <laughs> uh I had exactly zero technical difficulties this morning. Um so that's a lot better than uh than you.
0: I think that's what you get for being a Mac user and what I get for being
1: a Windows user. I guess yeah, I mean honestly I don't I mean I have one Windows machine. Of course I've have, I've have two Macs. Uh and your Windows Linux is for machines. your Windows is for gaming, right? It's a gaming computer, but I don't really play games on it. I actually use a lot for transcoding because it has a massive graphics card in it. But um, it's really just a, it's just, a, it's just a workstation that has a few games on it. And then everything else that runs 24-7 is a you know, free BSD server, three other Linux servers. Um, and they're like bulletproof. They basically never die.
0: I know. I've been thinking a lot about going to Linux or Ubuntu. Something that's not uh, challenged by all of the Windows problems that just persist over and over again. You know, when when you have all of these big expensive programs because of yeah pirating, these developers have been forced to implement all of these security measures and. Eye locks that are loaded onto little USB thumb drives that plug into your computer and just stay there. And that is, that's your, your key. It's literally called a key. You can use this key to turn the ignition to this program that you're tying, that you're trying to use on your computer that you've been paying for. You've either paid for in full up front, or you're paying for, on a monthly basis, which is everything now, which I hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so irritating. It it's, I it's part of the new uh, great reset, right? It's been it's been resetting for the last decade. You can't, you don't actually own it, but you should still be happy because you're paying for the privilege to use it. a month, sir, or madam, and if you don't update it, you don't get to use it, so if you lose your internet connection, sucks to be you. I definitely didn't miss any of that over the last few days. I I started my vacation from my 9 to 5, which is more like a 9 to 9, and it was, uh, I don't know, I have... I haven't been camping in a while. It's one of those things I think that I enjoy more than I actually enjoy. But I have little kids now. And then see, that was the thing. I used to go camping all the time and party hard. You know how you do. Because what else is there to do? Then, right, I, of had, course. then I had
1: other than drink, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then I had little kids. And that's not, you know going gets to a ripped away. Yeah, well, going to a party out in the woods with little kids doesn't sound like a good time to me. Maybe to some. No. Well, now no, there's a movie about that recently. About Oh, was, Are you talking about cocaine bear? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh-huh. But there's Oh, I can't stand that. I mean, don't that that could be something good to to go into. But now I go camping and there's, it's little, it's about the, it's about the kids go play in the water, you know, whatever, play, play catch with the ball. And ultimately I end up feeling like I've wasted a bunch of time because I haven't really done anything productive. I guess, I don't know. (laughs) What's it like for you when you take a vacation?
1: Oh, for me. Okay. So, you know, my dad likes to do, um, about 4 million things on holidays. So he doesn't feel like you're rested. He's one of those like active dads. You're running a marathon. Yeah, basically, you know, last time, you know, cause my my family's in Canada. Last time I went Canada. Um, I honestly was like, I had to take like another week off after we got back because, (laughs) you know, Gotta take a vacation from your vacation. Yeah, and of course, and more people don't understand in, in the UK, and what you know is fairly obvious in places like America and Canada, is that you're relatively used to places being quite far away. Now, in the UK, somewhere more than 30 minutes drive away is considered wow. You know? But in Canada and America, that's like nothing. You know? Yeah. You drive like, that distance you, to get to the grocery store. That's it, right? That's it. So you know, so, so my dad wanted to see a lot of things, you know, last year in Canada. And of course that meant driving, you know, five hours, you know, almost every day to one place or another place. And you don't want to be doing that on holiday. He was like, he was having a great time. And I just had one day where I just had, I just said, you know, fuck off, leave me alone. You leave me here and you go and do your thing over there. You drive all the fucking place. I That's actually good. want to like chill on a holiday And like, just, just, just do nothing. Can I just like do nothing? And I just walked around actually a beautiful place called Uculet in, uh, on Vancouver Island. It was absolutely stunning. I had a fantastic day. I didn't see my family at all. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't have to drive anywhere. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but yeah, once I can go back and now I'm going, um, back to Canada on, uh, Sunday. Um, this time with uh my better half, uh just, just the two of us. And both of us like to go on holiday and do this, the same kind of thing where we we do we do like to go and explore and stuff, but we don't like to do that, you know, where we're traveling a bunch just to get to one place and then travel and so the, the holiday is just full of traveling. We we'll like to go someplace and chill out and that kind of thing. So it's gonna be more of a relaxing holiday this time, which I'm really looking forward to. Um but I haven't been camping in a long time, so uh not since I think I went to a music festival maybe like six years ago or something.
0: It's, for me, it's been, uh, well, let's see. And there were always plans to go camping. Oh, here comes the summer. We should go camping. And then it doesn't happen. And then here come the kids. And it doesn't happen. so far this summer, we've gone twice. But that's been the first time in probably since I built this computer that loves to give me so many problems. But that's, I mean, I don't know, that's part of it. I, I see, I kind of run the vacation marathon, or, or I should, not, not necessarily the vacation marathon, but the marathon is, is happening in my head. So going camping is kind of a good way to be free of the computer and the internet connection. Even though where we were camping most recently, There was still plenty of phone signal. But I like, you know, like you just shut it down, shut everything down and even just hang out in the hotel room for half a day, lay on the bed, mindlessly flip through the channels of, of, uh, hotel room television, which is the worst. Why, why haven't hotel owners? Just put together some uh, agreement with with Netflix, where they'll pay uh, pay Netflix a thousand dollars a month and have accounts in every room for the people that don't have or or imagine you go on vacation, you can log into your Netflix right there on the on the smart TV and have all of your programs. Doesn't that seem to make?
1: Yeah, actually, that's actually something that I've I've experienced here in the UK. Like uh, the last couple of hotels I've hung out at, the TV, you know, you had the QR code and you could like sign in. It was pretty cool.
0: That's uh, see, there's there's see, there's there's too much of a stranglehold on industry like that in in the in the states. It's for the for the same reason that we don't have flying electric cars. We still have. The archaic cable television with the like the the channel that is always it, it you, you turn the TV off, and then when you flip it back on, it's gone back to the same. Welcome to our hotel channel, that has become you know a, a bit in many sitcoms. You know where the uh, oh I can't remember the specific example, but how's Somehow, you know, Mr. Bean becomes incapacitated in his hotel room with the the standard greeting TV station on, you know, full blast. And somehow he can't find the remote and he can't make it to the he can't make it to the <laughs> TV. And he just has to lay there on his bed for hours listening to the same this. And it's the same on on cruise ships as well. There's this. uh. It's it's a strange initiative where they, whoever is putting these things together thinks we need to be constantly reminding these people that they're on vacation and they should be getting up and going to do all of these things. I guess that's one of the good points about camping is there's only so many things you can do. And at a certain point, you can only... You you run out of things to do and you can only sit in your in your lawn chair and stare into the campfire, but that's I mean, it, it's it's nice to have that element of okay we're gonna get away we're gonna go some, because I mean camping is cheap. Just yesterday actually after after getting back into town and taking the kids out to just sort of have a little picnic, I happened upon a place. It's it's like a. We have a a thing. You, you have to pay extra uh when you register your car, you know so not, not, not only do you pay your payroll taxes and your property taxes and your uh licensing, you also have to pay a little bit extra to be able to enjoy the parks and and recreation services in in the area. and we so we went to w- one of these places and discovered you actually can go and camp for free. As long as you pay this extra, I think it's $80 a year when you, when you pay to license your vehicle, you can go and camp for free. And there were a few, uh, shady characters that had their clothes lines up and looked like they had been living there. Uh, but yeah, you know, permanent residence, fair play to them. The, I mean, the only downside is no, no RV hookups or, or anything like that. And I've actually, because it's so, it it is, it is nice to get away from the house. My, my wife has this thing where she, if she leaves the house and goes to her sisters, for example, she can actually sit back and relax and enjoy herself while the kids are playing with their cousins. And she doesn't feel this pressure of needing to, Clean something up or do some project or, or, you know, some obligation, which I totally get, but it's such a pain in the ass to pack up all of the sleeping bags and the tents and all the other camping things. Yeah. Over the last couple of days, I've been looking at RVs and, and campers of that sort of very i don't know it 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 feels like such a filthy american thing to be looking at
1: no i completely understand because you know when you buy a tent for the first time and it's so beautifully packaged right (laughs) You know where I'm going. With I this. know where you're going. <laughs> you put it up and you use it, and then when you go to put it back in the bag, you're like, "How the fuck does this thing go back in, bro?" Like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. That's it. And so I completely understand anyone that goes. You know what? Maybe an RV or a caravan, as we'd call it here. Oh yes. In the UK, we have caravans here. Um, I learned about that from uh, watching Snatch
0: two dozen times. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh of course yeah they yeah. gotta buy the gypsies, don't they? What yeah. about a caravan? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, got buy a caravan. Pettywinkle, <laughs> Petty blue eyes.
1: <laughs> it's actually not bad. It's actually not bad. <laughs> well,
0: it's an American doing an impression of a what is it? Uh it's supposed to be a like gypsy an Irish. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was gonna guess. So it it tracks i should be able to do a Brad Pitt impersonation of <laughs> that's good gypsy gypsy irish but it, it's they're incredibly expensive like i was watching youtube videos so when you go camping it's you're just you're you're roughing it just the tent and the sleeping bag and the, the cook stove or do you even yeah, i don't know what's uh, it what's it like because you you mentioned in Canada to go anywhere it's 5 hours i mean that's kind of like what it is in the area that i live in except the the area that i live is like the area that people drive 5 hours to get to to go camping right i see but when you can't so i would it, ideally for me camping is about going out to a random place in the woods and digging your fire pit and leveling out a place to put your tent and that's that's where the fun entertain entertaining part comes from you go you have to go find your firewood and hike to a good spot etc so if we're camping that's what i would like to do or i would like to stay in a hotel when you're in the uk with everything mm. being so close, do you ha- do you even have to bring a cook stove? And I mean, you could to, to have like that level of enjoyment. Like, oh, yeah, bring, bring the hot dogs and bring the wieners. Yeah, yeah. And we'll cook them on the camp stove. Or is it just, okay, we're hungry. Let's go into town and get some food and then go back to the
1: campsite. I mean, pe- people do either. I mean, the, the local campsite is literally not far away, or, or there's stuff in the Peak District. But you know, the, the, we're talking, we're talking in the in the realm of like maximum two-hour drive. You know, that that you'd have to do to get anywhere like r- reasonably good to do a campsite in a large forest area or somewhere that was you know like the Lake District, which is very <laughs> beautiful. Um, the, the extent that you could like go to a campsite and level it out and go somewhere really remote. I don't know about that. Like you kind of have to camp on a certain bit. You can't just pitch up like anywhere and find firewood and start a fire. You're like not allowed to do any of that. Um, So people tend to bring like camp stoves. Or uh, they do like the glamping thing as they call it in the UK where, Mm. you know, the tent's already set up. And you just travel there and stay in the tent and then eat at a restaurant and that kind of thing. Like (laughs) That that sounds pretty fun too.
0: I, I could get behind that. I'm, yeah, glam thing. <laughs> but is so. So is the is the caravan thing there popular?
1: Yeah, massively popular. Yeah, 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 massively popular because it's like a halfway house between camping and a full blown RV. So, you know, it's especially uh, popular with I would say the older generation. See, it's the a bit same more here
0: too because and and this was another reason that I got looking into uh, RVs is there's, you you don't have to pay property taxes on an RV. You can pay off your home and still have to pay hundreds of dollars per month in property taxes. And when you're on a fixed income and they raise your property taxes, that can really put you in a difficult position as a retiree. I know you don't have a lot of sympathy for retirees, but we're not all going to be, we we will all be retirees at some, yeah, and I don't know, do, what's the, I mean, there must be some form of property taxes in the UK.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't own my own home, so I'm not the most educated on this.
0: Well, no, I mean, well. I, I do own my own home, and I'm not the most educated on it either, and it's weird because they do, it's almost insidious. When you... Yeah, by when you buy your property, they set up your homeowners insurance and your property taxes, and you know anything else. They'll they'll make you pay mortgage insurance in the same way if they're not confident in your ability to pay your bills. And it all goes into an escrow account and gets the they they tack that payment onto your monthly mortgage. So it's like property taxes. What property taxes? You're just paying your mortgage payment like always until you finally pay your property off 30 years later and then it's like oh hey congratulations you thought you were done paying your nope you still got to pay the government hundreds of dollars every month but a way around that would be to buy yourself a nice rv which i learned yesterday can get up to over the price of a house more more than the this this one particular video I watched yesterday, the guy's like, okay, so we're just going to go over the RVs that are in the 400 to $600,000 price range.
1: Like oh my
0: God, bro. What for, for, I mean, they are nice, but that's not, I'm way too frugal to justify spending that much money on an RV. Something that you're going to drive around in traffic. No way.
1: No way. And like you've got to you've got to maintain it. The value of it doesn't go up. It depreciates like even with that, even with the housing taxes, I'd still take a 600 grand house over an RV. Yeah, but you can
0: also get an RV for 100K or 150K. Yeah, that makes more sense. Much more reasonable. And then uh, it's snowing. Let's go south or, you know, oh, God, it's too hot. Let's go north and have the the only thing is this and this is where my wife and I differ. She's very focused on family, not just her own immediate family, like she her her entire family lives in our immediate vicinity. And it's not I mean it's not detrimental. I don't wish that they didn't, but it's a thing it it sort of keeps her tied to this area. Not to mention the kids, when the kids are old enough to leave the house and have homes of their own. Talking her into touring the country in an RV and just staying at, at you know, campsites, basically, that have RV hookups. It sounds thrilling to me. I don't think she would go for it. In the same way, that because I look at places like uh, that, that have really nice exchange rates. For the American dollar, like uh Costa Rica and Thailand and stuff like that. And I hear about these retirees, they they get all of their uh, you know, healthcare and and bank accounts and everything squared away. They tie up all of their loose ends and then they go to someplace like Thailand where they can live like a king on their meager retiree's salary because the cost of living is so low when you're earning dollars but I don't think I could convince her to do that either. And it's not, I mean, like I'm, I'm so far away from retirement. The only reason, <laughs> the only reason this stuff even pops into my mind is because my dad just retired. So oh, I'm okay. Not only am I incredibly jealous, but also he starts talking about this stuff. Like he starts to impart that knowledge, that wisdom of like, I wish that I mm-hmm. knew this. When I was your age, I wish that I had started preparing for these events when I was your age, because now I'm here and I feel underprepared and I want to spare you this sort of trouble. But I really, I'm I'm the kind of guy that only needs to be told once, you know, contribute to your 401k so that you have disposable income when it's time for you to stop working. Unfortunately, I'm of the pessimistic mindset that there's not really gonna be a world to retire into by the time we get there. So it's almost like that's what brings up the the theory of moving to a country with a good exchange rate, or really just I mean, the yeah. hard the hard I way mean, to say it is a weak a weak economy.
1: <laughs> I mean the the thing that pisses me off is that uh, is that is that uh, retirees in this country get such a good deal right now, and I know by the time that I retire, the deal will be terrible. And I that, just know they've it.
0: been saying that for years. The same thing in this country,
1: you know. I oh, and I just googled the uh, property taxes here in the UK, of which there are none apart from you pay what's called a stamp duty tax when you first buy the house, so you pay like a. I think it's a 5% up to 675000 So it's, you know, if that's the only home you, you own. So you just fi- pay a, a set fee. And then when you go to sell oh, and buy yeah. a new house, you, p- you do another one. That's so, so you nice. To like? Yeah, yeah it, it is a lot better. So, so for, uh, and capital gains in the UK are pretty good as well. So that, in that respect, we, we do quite well. It's like you... So for older people, again, it's a great deal. Right. They've gotten, if they own their own home outright, they have nothing to pay for other than just utilities. Uh, That's it.
0: And that sounds so it's like you actually buy in in the UK, you actually buy your property from the government. Whereas here, the government, the government like always owns it. You just buy it from a bank. It's kind of like the reverse of what it actually seems like because there's so many. like obviously bank sponsored initiatives in the United States. Like, like anything uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, like property is a, is a prime example itself. Actually, you buy a property from the bank. You also have to buy it. I mean, you, you, you permanently buy it through <laughs> through a monthly subscription <laughs> oh god that's what it is that's exactly what it is hey buy this property and you can pay the government for the privilege of of occupying this property forever until you die and then the next person will have to pay those property taxes your next of kin while also
1: paying the bank who who owns it. Yeah, and, and that's really interesting because in China, you know, their government owns all property and when you buy a property, you you're buying a lease to that property from the government essentially for like 99 years and then you renew it. So subtract the 99 years part. How is that any different from the American system? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, well, there's, it's like, there's, uh, well, I don't know, what's the opposite of there's more than one way to skin a cat? Like, there's only, there's only so many ways to extract, you know, funds from your electorate, from from your citizens, and Mm. it seems like the function of government is only to come up with not new ways, but more discreet ways of extracting that money from your, and I mean, and that's why the whole money system is just a joke to me because see, I used to be really into, um, we call them Indians, even though we, we shouldn't, but not just Indians, like the native, just the native populations of everywhere when they were like, Hey, let's go camping and yeah, we're going to, we're going to put up our tents and we're going to make a campfire and we'll go hunting for food. And uh, then we'll plant some seeds and we'll harvest and that's it. That's what life will be like for us. Mm. And then what you, you didn't have, there was nothing to trade. It was, I, I need to eat so i i am going to hunt myself and then you have your your little kids well they can't hunt so you'll you'll hunt and you'll you'll feed your kids cuz they're your kids and that's fine you know no no problem and your partner well she's tending to the 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 plants she's she's picking berries she's looking after the children she's sweeping out the teepee. so she's she's earned some food then suddenly you come across another family well how are they and then and this guy's not such a good hunter so how do they contribute okay well we'll we'll figure out something something else for you to do skin these animals and this is you know this is the beginnings of basic economies mm. and then i think At a certain point, like the most advanced native economies, at least in the, you know, blossoming United States was like shells, you know, wampum, which was still based on like rarity. Like, oh, hey, look, this, you know, it's like my daughters yesterday were picking up white sparkly rocks on the ground and filling their pockets. It's like, oh, it's nice beautiful things that that people like to have. And then it became gold. Oh, gold. Look how, look how beautiful this gold is. And look, we can mold it into shapes and decorations. And this was like the, uh, the ancient Incan and, and Mayan economies that were still based on trading things of value. And even if you didn't have, you know, I'm a Mayan citizen and I want some, you know, loincloth, but I don't have anything that the, the guy that makes the loincloths want, you know, he's all good on his snake meat or whatever I'm, you know, flush with. So he goes, Oh, just give me some gold. You take your snake skins to the guy that makes belts and he'll give you some gold. And then you can bring me back this gold and I'll give you some, loincloths although i don't know why you wouldn't just make your own
1: loincloth loin <laughs> out of your snakeskins the point is so maybe uh maybe the best like libertarian solution to the tax thing is just to pay people in services and receive payment in services so like that's completely untaxable you know i fix your wall and Instead of taking money for that, I say, hey, you know what? Instead of money, can you paint my house? How do you tax that? You can't tax that. And the guy that buys the paint from the paint person goes, well, instead of, you know, money or whatever, how about you paint my house?
0: And so So it's like, this is the the sticking point for me when it comes because I've been thinking about just... The, the joke of our economic system for a long time. Like, like, I mean, I don't know, probably junior high school, I was starting to conceptualize this farce of an economic system, you know, for for what it is and 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 trying to come up with with something that would work better. Because what what bugs me every time I think down this road of modern economies, is that we just made everything up. It's all made up. And even now, and even worse now, since our money, you know, American money and English money has been taken off of any kind of sound backing currency. Yeah. We've come into this idea of, of modern monetary theory being, we can just print all of the money that we need. And when inflation hits, we'll just raise taxes and use that tax revenue. We'll not even use the revenue, but take that tax money to bring dollars out of circulation. And now we're sort of surprised that things aren't going well. So here today, modern times, modern American economy, our inflation is out of control and they're not raising taxes. And they're not raising taxes because they know the Biden administration knows that if we raise tax, he raises taxes, all hell's going to break loose and he's not going to get reelected. And I don't think he personally wants to get reelected, but I know that there's a lot of people pulling the strings and paying the bills that want another four years of Joe Biden so they can continue to we'll probably print money and and laugh all the way to the bank because there's there's so much conversation about making the big businesses pay their fair share and it's the big businesses that are sending all of their money into overseas accounts so that they can hide it and and keep from paying taxes so who's going to get the tax bill on all of that stuff me
1: oh yeah for sure
0: And I was, Uh, I was looking into the British pound and it seems like it's sort of the same situation. When, when did it become, so it's, it's the pound sterling, right? Sir, I'm assuming this means that it used to be backed by
1: sterling silver. Yeah, it was, it was backed by very similar to to your currency by gold bullion or silver or, or, or whatever, you know? uh when did they all the way back when did that change you know i'm not sure when it became a fiat currency let me just quickly google for you because i know it was in the
0: 70s i think i want to say it was like 73 when richard nixon said okay our our currency is no longer going to be backed by gold now it's going to be backed by oil okay
1: so ours was in 1931 that's when we started a fiat currency
0: It's so unbelievable that people signed off on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I understand why they didn't want to use gold as the material for making gold and silver as the material for making the actual coins. But the fact that it hasn't backed up the currency itself makes uh, no sense to me. It just invites rampant corruption and money printing, which has, you know, completely leveled governments time and time again. Uh, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, now Argentina. Have you seen Argentina's inflation? It's over 100%. Oh, yeah. Um, It's just, you know, and they just won't stop printing money. Yeah, it's completely out of control because they use printing money as a way, as a stealth tax on the population to get out of their own mistakes. And in the UK, we have... Possibly the worst economy in the G7 outside of Japan. For the first time in a long, long time, our debt is above our GDP, which is really bad for an economy like ours, which isn't necessarily export heavy. You know, for you guys in the US, your economy is so strong, really strong domestically and globally. So for you to have a leveraged economy, it's okay because... You guys have a lot more scope to grow. You have a really strong tech sector, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for us, it's it's more like someone that has... For you guys, you guys have a great credit score, right? So taking on more debt is, is relatively okay. But for us, our credit score, our risk factor is a lot higher. Our government is more unstable. Uh, we left the EU, so we don't have them for support. So us taking on more debt and more debt than our GDP means that if we were to default on our debts, we wouldn't be able to pay it all off. Like we don't have enough gross domestic product to actually pay all the debt off. Um, And so what we're going to see now is that for the next few years, we won't see any real growth because the government hasn't got enough tax base or enough economic growth to actually pay off the deficits on our debt. So we're in a really tough situation it's not helped by the fact that inflation is the highest in the g7 standing around i believe uh way above america's because america uh, right now is three percent you guys are doing great um in terms of crushing your inflation down you know ours is still up (laughs) still up at like 7.3 percent which is super high um, you know, our food inflation alone is seventeen point four percent year on year, and
0: I think Americans top, is yeah. around
1: fourteen. Yeah, it's it's insane, and and what people don't realize is that is that fourteen percent to seventeen percent is not a three percent difference, right? It's mm. not a three percent difference. It's like the actual difference is the difference in the number, right? So, um. You know, if you went from like two percent inflation to four percent inflation, that's not two um, percent more. That's actually double the rate of inflation. If you if you catch what I drew, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's significant. It's really really significant. Um, and so for us, it's like our uh, interest rates are the highest they've ever been uh, for for a long long time since twenty years or something. So that's going to crush the middle class, which are the majority of mortgage owners and then we've got an inflation that's seemingly not slowing down like some of it's slowing down but core inflation where you take out energy is actually increasing which is quite alarming because energy was the one thing that was really pushing this up last year because of the ukraine war and everything like that and now we're seeing that core inflation when you take away energy which is the primary driving force is actually still going up because of the insane pressures from things like food and goods and services and stuff like that. So for us, we are in a really, really tough situation where we have basically no outside investment from places like you guys. Um, Our economy is growing at 0.3% and they're saying next year that it might grow by 1.4%. But we'll see. I don't know how they're going to grow it because no one can get any debt to grow a business because you know, all the loans went from 2% to now 6%. And if you know anything about differences in percentages, that's not a 4% increase. That's a 300% increase, right? Or a 200% increase or something like that. You know, two to six is, yeah, 300% increase, right? So you're you're paying 300% more interest on the debt that you want to get, which is actually crazy. Um, so
0: for us well, in the UK, we're <clears throat> kind of fucked. For me when it comes to borrowing money or, or, you know, purchasing loan products, it always comes down. And I know this isn't a, this isn't the most responsible way to borrow money, but it comes down to how much is it going to cost me a month? Like I'm looking into buying a new computer. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) And it's how much per month, extra is it going to cost me to buy a new computer through some sort of credit system? And typically the higher your, if, if you agree with your lender that you're going to pay extra payments, you know, more, more money per month, you could get a lower interest rate the lender is willing to give you a lower interest rate because you will pay the debt off faster with a higher payment for me a higher payment's not a great option but i'm also at a point where i don't want to pay i mean it 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 depends on what the final dollar amount of the interest will be but i can't i mean it it depends on on how necessary this item is like a new computer. I kind of have to have a new computer, but an RV is non-essential. So I can justify to myself paying a little bit extra on my monthly expenses to finance a new, a new computer for myself. But when the interest rate to buy a home is 6%. That means the the home that I live in now, if I had to pay that much interest would make this house unaffordable. And that's what's happening yeah. with everything. everything. Everything is becoming yeah. unaffordable because inflation, interest rates, and, and also the cost of energy. But where do you see this? going like 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 what is the culmination i i certainly don't see it getting better but that i think is oh, probably man. influenced by
1: my hypothesis on the direction we we're, we're going in well i think in america you're more protected um i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i believe most mortgages if not all mortgages in the u.s are fixed rate yeah yeah if you're
0: for for most people, if you're smart, you get a thirty a thirty year fixed mortgage at I think I got I'm at like two and a half percent, which is really good.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. So for like North America and and uh Canada's a little bit Canada's a little bit the same as well. Um what I'm starting to see is that people are almost being trapped inside their homes um people that want to move daren't move because they know if they go to move and they can't take the mortgage with them um they'll have to obviously you know refinance or or get a new mortgage and if they get a new mortgage that means they'll be on 6% you know in the UK now it's 6.7% which is you know in here here big. it's 7.3 Right, that's that's quite mortgage. that's quite yeah that's quite a lot. So you know, if you're paying, say you were like very lucky and you got a thirty year fixed mortgage in COVID times when interest rates were around two percent or even lower for some people, you know, you're laughing. But if you want to move, you have to accept the fact that you're gonna have to pay more, and you might actually not be able to afford what you bought previously, which is quite scary because. The housing market is usually called a housing ladder. You know, the you get on the ladder and you move up over time after you build up equity. This and that to some degree is is fixed by time in America. You know, over time the economy gets better, it corrects, you know, as long as they don't start messing around with it more. But it does get better. People genuinely ask for more money and wages increase and it kind of sorts itself out because at in the in the least fact. Everyone in America is going to be in the same boat. And so that will be reflected, hopefully, in the market. Um, because people just won't buy homes. <laughs> yeah, they just, they just won't move. The scary thing in the UK, compared to America, where you have fixed costs and people know what's coming out every month. The scary thing in the UK is that the majority of the people in the UK get a two-year fixed. And then after that, you're on a variable. And what's happened is, is a lot of people bought those really cheap-ass mortgages in COVID on homes that many people would say were far too expensive. And sure enough, two years, 2022, 2023 rolls around, and they're going from 2% or 1% mortgages and suddenly getting whacked on a two-year fixed, oh no, not a two-year fixed, on, on their AER variable tariff at 6.7% Oh man! or some people are getting whacked on seven, 7%, 8%, 9% and there's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing, there's nothing they can do about it. They have literally got to pay that or move or go or die or, you know, whatever. So it's like this whole housing bomb, you know, and And there's like hundreds of thousands of homes every month that are coming on these variables. And there's more and more and more people going on variables. And there's this whole like almost a rush for people to try and like get off their current fixed, their two-year fixed and try and secure like maybe like another two-year fixed or three-year or a five-year where they can lock into maybe 5% now so they don't have to go onto that variable that might even reach 8% next year. So for us, it's not only do we have the crunch of inflation, but mortgage owners, especially new mortgage owners, um, they are getting immediately crushed by these huge rates. What's the that, average um, what, what's the average home price in the UK? So the average home price in the UK is about 235,000 pounds, I believe. I have the
0: Which, zillow.com mortgage calculator up here. If you bought a $235,000 home, you put 20% down. That's 47,000. With a six point three, with and this is outdated. I need to bump it up to seven point three since that's what it's at today. The interest rate of seven point three. Actually, no. Let's go back. Let's let's do what's what's the fixed interest rate, or or what was the fixed interest rate two years ago? Two percent.
1: Yeah, pro- probably. Or the on fi- the, high the end. variable, not not the, on, not the fixed. on the high end. It would be a two year fixed on on two
0: percent. So at 2% interest, your payment would be $892 a month or, you know, pounds. If you have that same loan today at 7.3, your payment goes up 1000 to 100 to 1383. Oh no, it messed up, it messed with my Interest rate, there we go. 7.3, 1,486 on the same home. Yeah. So an, an 80% increase in your in your monthly payment.
1: Yeah, and that's based what we realize.
0: 5% increase in your
1: interest rate. And that's what we don't realize It's not a 5% increase. The interest is a 400% increase on your interest.
0: That's it's just how I mean, how are people gonna keep their homes? Like where where is everyone going to go? Is the government getting involved to keep these housing prices down, people's monthly mortgage payments?
1: The government isn't getting involved, and I actually support them not getting involved um as as bad as that sounds. The only way the housing market in the UK, which is so overheated, which, by the way, I was wrong about the average house price. I just looked it up. It's not 235000 which I thought it was. It's 290000 which is quite a bit more. Um, And people quite often don't put 20% down. They put between 5 and 10% down. Uh, that's like the average deposit that people put down.
0: Yeah, in my experience, um, so I bought one home... Prior to this one, and the only way that we were able to put twenty percent down on this house is because we made a little bit of a profit off of selling our last house. Oh, that's good, but I think, but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, who goes in? Who who goes to borrow money with fifty eight thousand in their pocket? Like if if I, that's which is twenty percent of two hundred ninety thousand is you know fifty eight grand. If I had fifty eight grand. I wouldn't be looking to hand that to a bank so that I could buy a house. I would want to do something a little bit more productive with that money. I've been looking at um barn dominiums. Are you familiar with that yeah. <laughs> with that idea? So it's yeah. it's it's <laughs> like the cheapest building you could buy. It's basically a, a garage or or a, a warehouse. And you uh just build build the inside of it. To look like your nice, you know, three bed, two bath home and you can get it done for, I mean, of course there's all kinds of customizable options to, you know, bring, bring the price up or down, but you can buy a very suitable barn dominium for much less than you would, uh, you know, a standard stick built house. Depending on how much you want to do yourself, or you know what sort of options you want to have. But the point being,, you do these things, you make sacrifices, you make adjustments, you put the work, you know, you do a lot of the work yourself, so that you can prevent yourself from having to borrow money because it's so expensive to buy money now. And I think if, if I had to, if I had to sell my house today, I would be hell bent on figuring out a way to not give that money back to a bank to finance another property. I would want to go buy some land and build a cabin and get out from under the boot of these banks. Yeah. Do you Yeah, definitely. S- is is there, a, is there a light at the end of the tunnel like what what sort of event do you see from an optimistic perspective that will right the ship or is the ship even writable in the UK in, not, in
1: your opinion? I'm, I'm not I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm not really sure because there's so much money in the economy uh in the UK. You know, wages are are raising significantly, um, you know, sort of six, seven percent on average year on year. Is
0: there any kind of um, stimulus? Is the government working on any kind of stimulus
1: to help? No, I mean they've already they've already done a lot of stimulus in energy, so they spent about you know just oh, an unbelievable amount of money, sixty billion on this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean if you know for America, sixty billion is whatever, but for the UK, sixty billion is a lot of money, you know.
0: A well, lot. and I think it's, it's weird. There's, you know, these numbers get thrown around in the media all the time. Oh yeah. 60 billion for this, uh, you know, a hundred billion for Ukraine and this n- number. And, and, and it almost entirely dependent on the attitude of the reporting is how people respond to that, that number of money or to that um, yeah. amount of money. If, if, if you look, if you put it in terms of this is how much I make per year. Yeah. You know, six sixty thousand, 60,000 make 60,000 a year. You know how many years that takes you to just to get to 1 million to yeah, 1 to 1 million. Yeah. And then you start throwing around these numbers. Like you talk in, in government, you know, a, a story comes and goes, Oh yeah, we're giving 100 million to Iceland because they're just, you know, they sent us a nice card on our birthday and they needed a favor, so just 100 million. Yeah, it's not that much who cares. 100 million, 15 trillion dollar GDP, you know, that doesn't really make that much of a difference. Now, think about it in terms of your mate that works at the pharmacy. It's like, "Oh, yeah, I make I make 100 I make 100k a year." Oh, wow, wow, well done. You're doing great. A hundred k a year means you can live in a you know eight hundred thousand dollar home, okay now get on Zillow and start looking at eight hundred thousand dollar homes okay now imagine what you can afford if you make a million dollars a year two million dollars a year ten million dollars a year you're still not even approaching the number of money the 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 number of dollars. That your government just handed off to some random country just to, you know, do them a solid, to be a nice guy. Oh, yeah, $100 million, You know, no big deal. $100 million for the average citizen could mean they don't have to work any longer. $100 million in the hand of a, of an, well, I don't want to say an average citizen because I believe an average citizen would probably tend to just piss all of that money away. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> but, Definitely. you know, a responsibly minded citizen like you, like myself, would go a hundred million dollars. OK. I'm going to start three companies. You know, one, my my one company will manufacture this complex product. My second company will manufacture a part that that complex product needs from my first company and that third company will be a management company or a temporary employee company or, you know, anything you string these businesses together. Like I had this whole concept with my studio, like, okay, I'm going to have a business be the studio space. Then I'm going to have the other business be the production company. And then the third company will be, you know me myself, the the producer that that works all of the the equipment. And this is how creative entrepreneurs will manage their their resources, which is why I say if i have if I have fifty eight thousand dollars in cash, I'm not going to give that to a bank for the privilege of of, uh, borrowing money from them. There was this, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a viral video, but it was something like, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg asked a guy or or, or told a guy, gave him this hypothetical. It said, I'm going to give you a million dollars. And if you can turn it into two million dollars, in a week, then you don't have to pay me back. What do you do? And so I've of course I internalized this question and I thought, well, I would do this and that and that would make me I, I'd be able to easily make two million dollars off of that and then I'd get to I wouldn't have to pay back the, the first million. If if somebody came to you with that same question, mm. turn or basically that that charge, turn one million into two million in a week what would you do?
1: I would immediately go and borrow another million dollars. That's what he said. <laughs> that's that's what he said off. you
0: were supposed to do. Okay. But just for fun, if that wasn't an option, what would you do?
1: Oh, if I, if I had to turn it into 2 million in a week,
0: or let's say a month, let's say, let's say a month,
1: a month, but you actually have to, to do something. One you, million. Can't, you can't borrow. Is two million. Make I it a can't little more interesting. Borrow money. Ooh, this is a really good one actually. I had so, a lot of fun with it too. I feel like I feel like it would have to be something risky. You know? I feel like I would find something that people would inherently find valuable, like a piece of art. And then I would that wasn't worth one million, but but close. And then I would spend the rest of the money on some kind of targeted marketing campaign, like some viral video type stuff, to raise the price of that asset. And then I would sell that asset for two million.
0: You're, you're kind of like right on the same track of of what I would do. I I would put on a concert. <laughs> That's a great idea because you can rent you can rent yeah. venues you can rent venues for surprisingly cheap i mean that that might just be a a pandemic thing but i looked into it a little bit you can you can rent out arenas for surprisingly cheap and then you pay the you know the acts have a guarantee you know we you can either pay them their guarantee or you can you know negotiate for a back end deal or, or something like that but if you could get a few a few acts, an act that would draw, you know, twenty thousand people, pay them their guarantee, which is probably less than a million, then you sell tickets in whatever increment you need to make up that money, and there yeah. you go. It might not work. Obviously, <laughs> going to borrow a just borrow another million, put one million down on on a two million two million dollar loan is easy and that was the point of the of the you know the hypothetical question a bank only wants 20% to give you a loan of you know 290,000 so why not why they, they would give you of course i mean they'd give you 5 million with a with a down payment of of 1 million which was as i said the point of the exercise, but it's so sleazy. This yeah, economy has uh... built and perpetuated itself on borrowing money. Okay, you got to borrow money, invest it in your business, and then you're constantly paying somebody else, constantly shelling out dollars for the privilege of borrowing the money. And, but you're not even paying. Down the principal, most of the, the like, there's this really interesting uh, dynamic when you have a 30 year mortgage and you make just one extra payment a year. And so instead of 12 monthly mortgage payments, you make 13 month, uh, 13 mortgage payments over the course of the year. And that cuts the life of your loan in like in half or something like that. I haven't actually done. The math to figure it out exactly but you can pay off a 30-year mortgage in like 15 years if you just make one extra payment per year because you're paying down what you actually owed instead of paying down what you are paying for the privilege of being able to borrow that money being yeah interest but that's so bizarre. I can't. I mean, I, I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around it. You that you can't get a 30 year mortgage in the UK, which is, I mean, most people would agree. Great. It's it's yeah. like the banking capital of the of the world. You know. Yeah, it's, city it's of London. Very yeah. odd.
1: It's very odd. You know, our terms are the exact same. You know, quite quite common is 25, 30. Now they're looking at doing you know, ex- larger extensions on mortgages and stuff, which is fine. But really, the, the problem isn't the length of the mortgage or really the price of it, but it's the protection that a fixed cost has to many families that, um, you know, <laughs> having it go up a little bit. Is okay, you know. You're you're paying eight hundred a month on your mortgage, let's say, and it goes up to nine hundred. Like that is not a an insane increase, or even to a thousand. You know, an extra two hundred pounds a month is going to hurt you because that's two hundred pounds you don't have anymore. But it's not going to be like I'm I'm literally out on the street level, unless you're really kind of close. But you know, going from an eight hundred pound mortgage to, you know, a sixteen hundred or a two thousand pound mortgage overnight i mean that is just life changing and that's the most important thing i think you know for such a large purchase and we don't have this like usually on like personal loans or car financing quite often it's fixed rate you know fixed at 6 or fixed at 8 9 whatever um because it's usually safer and it's usually what people um what people like to do So it's very odd that we, like you say, don't get um, fixed rate mortgages here, but they are looking, I believe the government is looking at making that an option here in the UK, which I think is a good thing. Um, They probably won't be very popular right now, as many people are speculating that the rates are going to go down again. I'm very bearish. I don't think the rates will go down for a little while, especially since we're not seeing much response in the inflation. Like unlike the U.S., which your your inflation is at three percent, which means you need to cut it by, uh, you know, you need to cut it by like a third, and you're back to your target of two percent. You know, we have to cut it by, you know, almost like six hundred percent or something to get down to the to the target that that, that we're that we're looking at. Um, well, and there's so elements too. Long way to go.
0: There, there's elements too of uh you know the the inflation could drop the cost of energy could drop, but then you have to rely on the corporations to actually bring their prices back down to where they were and i I remember this vaguely from the two thousand eight you know financial crash and recession yeah when it came to the cost of of fuel, which was you know for five dollars a gallon in in two thousand in the you know 2010s, there was fuel surcharges on on everything on on all the shipping. Well, then the costs of fuel came down and and were fifty percent of what they were, but the companies were still charging or were still you know making a surcharge on on fuel, just sort of hoping that you wouldn't notice. So like our our inflation has come down you know almost five percent but we're still paying 14% increase increased food prices and the cost of gasoline is still, you know, $5 a gallon. So we have to re- we, we have to trust. And, and this is what really, this is why I get super radical left on sort of corporate policy in the United States. And I would guess, Because there's such a global market now that all of these companies are sort of trying to function like global entities outside of the regulation of their home countries. It makes me uncomfortable because I almost crave government intervention. But, what can a government do when it's the price of its currency, or the value of its currency that is creating these issues? And how can a corporation yeah. really that that is it's one of the grossest things about the United States and allowing its corporations to have the same rights as as an individual citizen? Now there's a bunch of things that are off limits to the government because a government has to treat this this corporation like a person and how convenient for the corporations. I'm sure there was no lobbying going on there to convince the government that these companies that just happen to be pumping millions and millions of dollars into the campaign coffers of these politicians should be treated like a person and given the same rights as a person and all of the same advantages while they operate as this sort of soulless entity that just sucks wealth out of the consumer and then simultaneously denies that wealth to its workers. Yeah. I feel like it, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, hypothesis time. I've always felt, or not always, (laughs) Gross overgeneralization. For the last... I don't... Basically since Bitcoin became a thing. Maybe not that long. Because, yep. geez, what... Bi- Bitcoin was like 2009 or something? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, a long time ago. A long, long, long time ago, yeah. Like, way before any of us ever really started thinking... Or, or started hearing about it. But since the pandemic. And the massive devaluation of currency and a massive transfer of wealth. I've sort of had this feeling in the back of my mind that the powers that be, and and you have to tell me if, if you get this impression or that if you could see this as a conceivable possibility with the way things are going in the UK. Yeah, sure. Every, it's like a fire sale. (laughs) Everybody's like, shit, fill your pockets. Uh, you know, Matt, grab, grab everything. It's, it's supermarket sweep. Come on, everybody fill your carts. Hurry, hurry. We got to go. We got to go. It's a clearing house. Let's get rid of all these dollars. Get rid of all these dollars. What do you need? You need a new bridge. All right. Prince, you know, money printer goes, Brr. you know, here, here's, here's all your money. Build this bridge. Hurry quick. It won't be, it it won't be worth very much for very long so you got to act now sunday 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 fire sale everything's got to go and we're going to devalue the currency to the point where it's worth fuck all and then we're going to say hmm well everything's fucked um hold on a minute hey here's the answer don't worry everyone we're going to a central bank digital currency it's going to be backed by Well, uh, we haven't decided yet, but it's going to be a lot better. Everybody just sign up for this central bank digital currency. We'll get rid of all the worries of the dollar. We'll stabilize everything now. Don't worry. None of our debts are going to be paid in dollars. It's all going to be with this brand new, shiny central bank digital currency and everything, all of the terrible, horrible things that we've done that have put you, the consumer, in this awful predicament. Are all going to be washed away, and now we're all saved by the central bank digital currency. Never mind that we're going to link it directly to you and to every purchase that you make and to every statement that you make on social media. We're also going to be able to tax it as often as we like. We're going to increase if 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 you have seen the, the way it is now, you get your paycheck, you pay whatever taxes are. Whatever taxes are at the time, they've issued you your paycheck, and then you put it in your bank, and it's safe. Well, with a central bank digital currency, the level of control and manipulation that exists there is it—it's it, unprecedented. It's—it's pre- it's mind-numbing. The—the the things that they will be able to do once your income. Whatever your currency is, is tied to you and your all of your possessions and your social media accounts and your governments. And oh, we got to raise taxes. Something we're we're going to war. Okay, we're gonna raise the tax rate up to fifteen uh, percent. And uh, every every dollar that hasn't been taxed at fifteen percent will be taxed an additional five percent uh immediately coming out of of your bank account just for example and we will have no recourse because if we decide that we want to speak out against the authoritarian crackdown well now you won't be able to gr- go to the gr- you're you're effectively grounded you're grounded this this i i see this government system going from uh uh you know by the people for the people to uh much more of a child parent relationship where what the parent says goes and you know bedtime is usually at eight o'clock but uh you've been particularly naughty today so bedtime is gonna be at seven o'clock and if you don't like it well that's too bad we'll do bedtime at seven o'clock tomorrow too if you if you decide that you're gonna mouth off Am I just yeah, that's being a good point. Am I just being crazy? No, no,
1: no, no. No, I I think you touched on a really good point where especially since COVID, um the general public seems to be in a space where they believe that government should solve all their problems for the, for them. Uh I completely disagree with with that. One because government isn't very good at solving everyday issues. Uh they're just not set up to do that. Like governments when they function well are small strategic and focus on long-term planning that's going to take us from one place to the next place they are not very good at short-term strategic things they're shit okay and since covid every country especially in the western world invested a great deal of money into uh protection measures um handouts in terms of benefits and money and all these kind of things and Benefits for business, quantitative easing, all kinds of money printing. Um, And I don't see, especially for the UK, as I said before, the US is in a completely different situation. Yes, there are issues, but your economy is wicked. Well,
0: how Um, how does the UK, how do they make more money? Like who decides? Is it basically like here in the States?
1: So the problem with the UK is that we our ability to make money is kind of determined by the nations around us in what they're willing to invest in us. Um, just just like for the US on a larger scale, um, many countries, many companies invest actively in the US because they believe it's a great place to build business to to build a, a multinational business. Um, and for a while in the UK, that was the same, you know, the banking heart of Europe. And and now that's sort of changed since Brexit. And Brexit is kind of this anchor that sits off the back of our economy. Um, and that's why we're seeing a lot of a worse situation compared to other European nations, especially nations like France and Germany that have really good export markets and really good local Economies that are a little bit more resilient, um, as well as we have a lot of uh, exposure to energy price fluctuations, whereas America doesn't have as much of that because you guys make, you guys produce a lot of your own energy. Although Joe Biden's wanting to uh, put a stop to that. But I think in the UK, the worst situation we could be in is the Japanese situation where we start to get too much debt. We realize this is a problem, but we don't want to put the brakes on and cause an issue. I think what needs to happen, unfortunately, in the UK is for us, is for for some kind of financial slowdown that corrects the errors that we have made in the economy. And to stop, you know, propping up corporations, people, institutions on this money, this Printed money or debt money, just artificially uh, keeping the economy afloat. I mean, if you looked, our GDP is zero point three percent, but our inflation is seven point seven percent. So that tells me straight away that, like, you know, the economy is has a lot of money in it, but our growth is nothing. So where's the money coming from? It's it's all just over it, the market is just completely. Overheated, and it has to correct. Something has to happen, and if it doesn't correct, we will be in a Japanese situation where, for years and years and years, we will suffer worse and worse and worse uh, debt to GDP because we're just borrowing our way into uh, keeping the economy alive. And our growth will be so stagnant, and there'll be nothing. It, there will be no growth because no one will want to give us money because we're in debt. Okay. And because we're in debt, we can't get any more money to make anything nice because we've not decided to take a huge financial hit. Because one of the greatest things about having a financial crisis, as bad as they are, is they make everything really fair, really quickly. And it stresses corporations to make changes for the consumer. One of the things that happened after 2008, and we've still not really... We're still not really recovered from 2008, which is why the interest rates were so low in the first place. But one of the things that 2008 did afterwards is it suddenly made things a lot cheaper that were that were just, you know, previously unaffordable. Um, And that was really good thing for a consumer because now you've got like sales and this, that, and the other, and closing down sales and all this stuff. So for consumers, it was really good. And I believe in the UK, we need another moment like that where suddenly housing becomes um you know right now housing is unaffordable and so you should let housing go down in value and let's say you know cars are now becoming really unaffordable and so you should let that happen well, and, and the companies in, will go
0: in in the states that's happening already with with uh you know like consumer commodities not with you know big purchases like cars and 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 homes but there was uh there was a, a report that you know prices of uh, of cosmetics and soaps and, and deodorants and stuff, they're all dropping, not because of anything that the government has done, not because of anything that's affected by the more big picture global economy, but because the manufacturers have realized that people aren't buying these things. So exactly. if they want to keep selling them, they have to bring the
1: price down so that they become it, more affordable. Exactly. And if you apply that to other things as well, like here in the UK, obviously energy went, went up. And so the government's decision, instead of um, letting people take the hit of the energy prices, they decided to give everyone like 400 quid a year for payment on their energy. And while that sounds like a great idea, essentially what you're doing is you're taking either debt or tax money. And debt is the tax money anyways, because you have to pay it back with a little bit of premium. And you're just taking that and you're just giving it to the energy companies you're rewarding them for their high prices. And so is the responsible thing to pay the energy companies um, for their high prices? Or is it more responsible to not pay them and say, look, if, if you cannot afford more energy, you have to use less energy. It's very simple. Is the corporation right? Because they make money. All a corporation does is try to make money. If a corporation goes... Right, people are using less energy. Are they going to keep their prices high? I doubt it. But if the government is going to backstop their prices, the energy company has no incentive to lower their prices at all. And that's and where, in your example, yeah, in your yeah. in your example, yeah, they lowered their prices because consumer spending lowered. And when
0: when the when the government steps in to make up the diff the difference, see, the government doesn't make anything. They, they, they literally, they create nothing. The money that they get, it all comes from you. So what they've done is they've taken these, these huge industries like, uh, energy and homes and, and more, uh, topically appropriate student loans and said, Hey lender, Hey, uh, uh, home builder, Hey, you know, whomever else you just keep doing what you're doing. We're going to make up the difference with these tax dollars. And it's the fire sale that I said before, like yeah. uh, when, when, when Donald Trump was in office towards the end of his first administration, he wanted to take the oil at $20 a barrel and fill our strategic petroleum reserves Well, the Democrat Cong- Congress blocked him for, for no reason other than he was Donald Trump. And they weren't going to let him do anything that he wanted to do. So instead of filling up our strategic petroleum reserves at $20 a barrel, we've been forced to fill it at $80 a barrel. And now, oh, Jesus. and now there's, and now there's almost none left because to win elections, Joe Biden has been taking our country's oil, our military's oil, pumping it out into the consumer market to artificially lower oil prices. Effectively allowing the oil companies to keep charging $80 a barrel, $100 a barrel, $120 a barrel for oil. And he isn't at risk of losing elections because the media covers for him and the oil companies keep donating to him because he's filling their pockets with the dollars from American taxpayers. And in order to continue to fund all of his other projects that he would ordinarily need, those taxpayer dollars from or for he just prints more money and more money and more money. And when big pharma rolls around and says, Hey, we want some of that. He says, okay, we'll buy millions and millions of your, of your vaccine doses. And then the media turns around and says, Hey, everybody come down to CVS and get your free vaccination. Of course, it's not really free. You paid for it with your tax dollars but this is the government printing more and more dollars devaluing them further and further just to create this illusion of of progress or effort or some kind of accomplishment and it's going to get so bad in my opinion that we're going to say and and it's it's interesting when you put it in a global perspective because you talk about Japan and what a dire situation they're in yeah it's almost like things are going to have to get a lot worse before they get better,
1: which is that's, sort of a... That's my understanding. That's my understanding. That, yeah, I mean, the problem with Japan is that things started to get a little bit bad, and instead of letting it get really bad and just letting the market sort itself out, they've just been keeping it on life support. So because they want to the keep worst. winning elections. Yeah, they're, they're in I mean, the I don't know about of both Japan. worlds you know japan's uh, japan's actually it's all very formal over there um they have one of the age, oldest populations ever and that's partially the whole problem is is that their working population has decreased a great deal so there is just less population to make money you know the gdp cannot go up that much if there just isn't that many people working and that to me is perfectly fine i don't see Anything wrong with ha- it, the real metric should be GDP per capita, but they don't chase that number. Okay. They chase the GDP, um, which is the wrong thing to, to think about because really the GDP per capita is a measure of productivity. And if your productivity goes up per person, your country is in general way better. You know, you look at Israel, the way Israel's changed over the last 30, 40 years, their GDP per capita went from like $7,000 to like $40,000. You know, that's absolutely life-changing for a nation. The same happened in South Korea. The same happened in China. You know, China went from like $2,000 to $12,000 per person. That is absolutely life-changing. And the problem with Japan is they've just stayed the same. Their GDP per capita over the last 25 years has stayed the same. Their GDP hasn't moved or it's moved very, very slowly. And it's because they're not willing to accept the fact their economy is smaller than it used to be Um, because it's it's you know it's not very sexy to say that but unfortunately that is the the thing we have to accept um in america it's different it is different you guys have a completely different economy your gdp per capita is fantastic and with the amount of immigration you're taking in it's going to get even better um so um you know you guys honestly as usual. You know, America is going to do very, very well. Uh, and you guys are going to benefit from the fact that other countries are having a hard time, um, as well as your benefit from the fact that China is slowing down significantly, which will, which should, you know, if Joe Biden doesn't mess it up. But China slowing down significantly is a really good thing for energy prices because they're like the top oil and coal uh, consumer on Earth. And that's why... Energy prices have come down so significantly because China's slowing down so significantly, um, as well as Russia's slowing down. So, you know, governments just need to stop getting in the way. The The best thing the governments can do, which is the tool they have that, that works the best, is stimulating economies that have quite often really good future prospects, but are quite... Um, uh, let's say, cost prohibitive to get into. So things like nuclear power, things like AI research, science research, things that take a lot of money, but in the future, you know, net great results. That's something government can do fairly well or large pension funds and research companies um, to a lesser extent, as well as government has another great tool, which is regulation. They can always change regulations to free up markets constrict markets and it's a really good tool for them as well as using the tax dollars they have to build great infrastructure for the private market to then to then function upon so if you look at i think china did it poorly because everything they make is shit but what they do <laughs> genuinely in, in a bad economy is they pour their money into making infrastructure and if they made the infrastructure of any good quality they would been in a different position now, but that's what they do really, really well. And I think many Western Europe, you know, Western European countries and other European countries could learn from that, which is, you know, instead of pouring money into social programs where you just take tax dollars, tax euros, tax pounds, and you just pump it into the population, which does nothing, you know, it's literally like a neutral or even a loss because you're creating inflation, you know, take that and put another lane on the major motorway or repair a bridge or put another runway on an airport or put another, you know, tracks of rail down for freight. Those are the kind of things that radically change an economy for the longest time. You know, yeah, if you look back in US history, it, it's that's, that's, that's the underpinning of, of everything, those big railways that were made by the oil companies.
0: Well, and this was back, like, This was back in the, in the ages. Like I keep thinking of, of like Reagan and, and, and Margaret Thatcher when politicians did what needed to be done because they didn't have this social mandate. They, they didn't have, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting how these things, these social programs are so celebrated in the media that just oddly enough happens to be controlled by the major corporations. So yeah. the media, and I mean the corporations through their media mouthpieces can keep the pressure on these politicians to worry about all of these other things like social programs. And they can, they will I mean, they'll just flat out not cover a new bridge. Or a new new investment in in another kind of uh industry, which allows the corporations to continue doing their business as usual, an oil company yeah. doesn't want to see a bunch of investment in alternative energy sources because that means no, of course that, not that means less oil is going out and they would love to see things like decreased oil production in certain places when it is beneficial to their business. But one of the biggest problems with, see, I, I would love to either have well, there's only one choice for me. I would love to see the collapse of big government in, in general, the problem mm. is that that creates this vortex where now yeah. now it's the power vacuum yeah now
1: that's that's what i was looking for thank you <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome
0: where now there's there's i mean this this vacuum will inevitably be filled by the richest and the most powerful which the you know the first class that comes to mind are are The corporate owners, the CEOs and and chairmen of the board. Yeah, which would be, you know, I, I would be happy rolling the dice. With them holding the reins of power. However. With a economy and a government. Like the CCP. We run into this problem where now all of our major global corporations are largely controlled by China because of the CCP's rules about doing business in, you know, in mainland China and what that means for your regulations and, you know, 51% ownership of the country of the company goes to, uh, the CCP. And if you don't toe the line of the China, uh, the Chinese communist party, then you really put yourself in jeopardy. So, China says do this company and if you don't do it you don't get to do business in China anymore. So that is I think where we need to go in this conversation looking at the absolute power that China wields over these corporations that want to do business in China and and therefore they also own the media or at least can heavily influence the media narrative that goes out through MSNBC because its parent companies don't want to lose all the perks of doing business with the Chinese communist party. So now we have media companies putting pressure on politicians to create social programs instead of doing things that might benefit their own country and their own citizens. So, we're looking at this push by elements, probably corporate and political, that want to pull us toward one global, at least economic system, in my opinion. And it would solve, at least for some period of time, a lot of the economic problems that we're facing. But I still come back to this concept that all of these economic problems that we're facing are the result of an economic system that we just invented out of whole cloth and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We started out with this dollar that was backed by, or, you know, we, we started out with these shells and sparkly rocks and, and they were valuable based on their rarity. And then we moved to gold, which was still valuable based on its rarity And then we printed these papers that said, this paper will get you this much gold. We promise. And at that time we trusted our politicians and we said, okay, great idea. And then 50 years ago, some cunt said, Hey, guess what? It's no longer backed by gold. Now it's backed by petrol or it's backed by, you know what? It's backed by whatever we, we decide. And I just can't sit here and go, oh yes, the situation is so dire. It's so dire, everyone. It's terrible. The people that invented this system are telling us that the system is bad, but instead of taking responsibility for it, it's going to be all our fault. And now we're going to have to go to world wars and the population of the planet is going to have to be cut in half. And if any of us are lucky to survive, we'll have the benefit of moving on to this digital currency. That will be one world currency and it'll get a lot better for the next 500 years until we, what, probably have to do it all again. Hey, that's a bright outlook. (laughs) 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 So I guess we'll leave it there for next time. But this is definitely just the beginning of, of a much larger conversation because like we've just in the last 90 minutes, sort of dusted off the viewing window into, you know, the inner workings of this, of this economic system. And, and I really do feel like the powers that be want to take it global one currency for every person on the planet. Do you see that happening? And, and do you see that happening without a, a massive, you know, calamity?
1: I don't see it happening without without a massive calamity. I think it it's not something that's going to be very popular just to put in there randomly. But I can see how if there was some kind of really stressful economic situation that we might get in the next uh, year or two, where people are literally, you know, really struggling, um, then they they might pose a digital currency as a solution to their to their problem
0: well in in my so, opinion uh, yeah. it'll it'll be like a false flag or something happens yeah. and we beg them you know we we beg our governments to get us off the dollar get us off the pound bring us on to something more stable and with the way it's going it'll be something like what china's doing that was the whole point of the uh the pandemic res- response in my opinion to glorify what china did with its authoritarian Lockdowns and and you know totalitarian quarantine measures to glorify China. Oh, look how good China is! We want to be just like China. Hey guys, China has this central bank digital currency, and look how great it is. China's doing so good. We're all languishing. We're poor. We're dying. We're starving to death. This is your invitation to beg us to bring you on to the central bank digital currency. Just like with what they're trying to do with, uh, you know, gun control. Oh, there's all these these mass shootings keep happening. Isn't that a coincidence? I guess we better give give all the guns back to the government. It's the only way to keep us safe. When really the problem is criminals, criminals on the streets and criminals in the financial system and criminals in the political system.
1: And what an uplifting way to end this episode. (laughs) I know. It was a very sad one today, but unfortunately this kind of topic is kind of, uh, it's kind it's kind of bearish and it's not going to get better.
0: It's the reality that we're, it's the reality that we're facing.
1: Yeah. You know, in history there are good times and there are bad times. And and this is just one of them. one of my,
0: it's one of my favorite sayings, uh, hard times make strong men and strong men make good times. And good times make soft men, and soft men that's right. make bad times.
1: And I thank God that I'm soft.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. This, well, <laughs> we've we've got this, we've got this opportunity to get hard. We're gonna have to get hard. <laughs> we can get if we can get hard before things get hard, then maybe things won't get too hard. But yeah, yeah that's it's just—it's right. you. But you're totally right. Like we've been lulled into this sense of. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've got our nice comfy home and restaurant right down the streets. You know, we're not camping. We didn't have to dig a fire pit and, and level out a place to put our tents. We've been accustomed to this soft living, everything delivered to the door. You know, you turn a knob and the heat kicks on and everything's, everything's hunky dory. And we're all distracted with our football games and our you know podcast presentations that we don't realize, evil people are exploiting us our our labor and our efforts to enrich themselves at the detriment to all of these people, and they couldn't give a shit,
1: yeah. I feel like if you feel bad about the situation right now like one of the situ- uh you know solutions is is pretty much the entire plot to Fight Club which is like an anti-consumerist doctrine. Yes. So if you want to feel good about yourself and see a solution, not necessarily the Fight Club itself, but the the, the overall disconnection from modern society and consumerist behavior. Then there you go. Start making soap. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: alright that's it we've had enough you've had enough I'm sure Let's Go us uh, go watch an episode of South Park or something and 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 just sort of cleanse your palate definitely but then come back and listen to the next episode of the podcast uh, thank you all f- very much for listening to this one please visit uh, vox404.com read up on our blogs you'll find all of our episodes there as well as links to uh your favorite podcast platform so you can find us there as well uh what am i am i missing anything 404
1: nope you cover just about everything we will see oh i am going on holiday so i'll see you in august we're going to miss you all so, very much and and we'll see yeah. what happens and fly by the seat of our pants yeah. on this one. I'll be I'll be listening even on holiday so I'll see you soon. We will be back.